all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. Good morning and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're going to be talking about behavior change and how that relates to our overall health. And I hope I give you some uh, nuggets to think about as you start to think about your health goals over the coming year. Or you can always email me fit at mpbonline.org. All right. So when I say the word behavior change, I wonder what comes to mind. To me, I immediately think of telling my kids to be on their best behavior. But that's not really what I'm talking about. When we think about behavior change, we do need to step back and say, what is behavior and how does behavior relate to health and so behavior is basically anything that you do think about your routine that you do on a on a daily basis right when you wake up in the morning you probably go to the bathroom um, brush your teeth brush your hair get dressed Um, Some of you have breakfast, some of you don't. Um, You get in your car, you drive to wherever you're going. All of those are our behaviors. And we can have health-promoting behaviors or or behaviors that are pushing us a little bit farther away from, from health. But there's no one perfect behavior or set of behaviors. But we often wonder how we get to the set of behaviors that we have. What makes something become part of what you do every day. And it's usually repetition, but it's also based on things that you enjoy or things that you hold important to yourself that can shape our behaviors. If we think back to brushing your teeth, most folks brush their teeth uh, twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. How, how did that come about, right? Why is that part of your daily routine? And it's probably linked back to your childhood when your parent uh, made you brush your teeth. They said, have you brushed your teeth? Or they stood right there and watched you brush your teeth, especially when you were first learning. And they did that for you for a while before it became something that was automatic for you, where when you get up in the morning, you go brush your teeth. Before you get in the bed, you brush them again. And when we try to take something kind of as simple as brushing the teeth and put it into a bigger context of health, we have to give that same 
repetition to behaviors that we're trying to make habits in our life. Right. So it can't be something that we just do every now and then. It's kind of continual repetition of behaviors that we want to adopt that leads to those habits um, later on. And so one of the first things that I ask patients to do when we're working on uh, behavior change in clinic, because that's that's the bulk of what I do is behavior change, not that. I think there's anything wrong with your behaviors, but I want your behaviors to match your goals. And that's what I ask patients. I'll say, do do your habits or do your behaviors that you do on a routine basis, do they match with what your ultimate health goals are? So if we take right on back to brushing teeth and using that as an example, right, if our health goal is to keep our teeth and maybe not have cavities or not... Um, need to have them pulled or not get an abscess or any of those kinds of things, then brushing our teeth is the behavior that matches with that, right? We could add another behavior in that would would drive us even closer to that, add in flossing maybe, which is a habit that's a little less uh, consistent among people, but uh, equally as important. Um, But those behaviors match our goals, And then I ask if goals match your vision. And you may go, what are you talking about? What are you talking about a vision? Well, if you think about a business, most businesses have what we call a mission and a vision statement for them. And it is usually on their website, right? I hope that most people that work at those places can say what their mission mission and vision statement is. Um, But you should be able to. But mission and vision is what guides that business, right? It's why they are here and what they hope to accomplish by being here. And you as an individual can have a mission and a vision statement for yourself, and you kind of should. And while that seems a little bit weird, if we break it down and think about what a mission statement is, it's why you're here, right? Why you're doing what you're doing. And If you've listened to me before, you know that I'm real big on matching behaviors to your why and getting at the root of why you're doing the things that you're doing or what your purpose is, right? And that really is a mission statement. Uh, I've shared my kind of... um, my why or my purpose before that's, you know, love God, love family, love others. And when I'm trying to decide whether to do something or not, I ask myself, does it match that mission or that purpose? Right. So if I'm going to go volunteer at um, a clothing pantry, right, does that meet one of those those parts of my mission, right? Yeah, for loving others. And I usually make my kids come along too so that I can spend time with them and that counts as love and family, right? So having that that purpose or that mission statement for yourself really helps you frame your behaviors, right? And seeing if your behaviors are matching that vision or that um, or that mission. Now, that vision statement is often what we want to see happen in the future, right? So six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, what do you as a person want to see yourself as? If we're framing it in terms of health, which is what today's show is about, what do you want your health to look like in the next year, right? 
or the next five years. And you can write those things down. And so I took a, a moment this morning as I was getting ready for the show and I said, you know, I think I need to I need to revamp my, my vision statement for myself. And this is what I came up with. And I write it in the present tense, right? So like you're owning it, like this is my vision. So Josie, a year from now, I am comfortable in my body. I have the energy to move with purpose every day without pain. I embrace this journey with grace and determination, and I'm fully present with my friends and family. And so that can kind of sound fluffy, Right. But if we break each one of those things down, then that will drive my health behaviors. If I want to be fully present with my friends and family, that means I got to put my cell phone down. Right. That means I can't spend time uh, at the dinner table on my phone or mindlessly scrolling in the evening. Right. I need to put that phone down and talk with my children, with my husband, with other family members. Uh Move with purpose every day without pain. So I probably haven't shared on here, but I'm having some feet problems, having some a pretty wicked case of plantar fasciitis that I'm working with um, somebody on. Uh, but addressing that is going to mean making sure I do my prescribed exercises every day. Right. If I want those feet to stop hurting so that I can get back to joyful, purposeful movement, which for me is dancing uh, every day, then I have to do the less fun exercises uh, to get there. Right. And so my behaviors, if this is the vision that I want for myself over the next year, then my behaviors have to match that. Right. So they have to match um, by stopping using my phone uh, when we're having family time and I have to intentionally do my uh, exercises that have been prescribed by my exercise specialist um, to get my feet where I want them to be. And if I can't do those things right now, right, then I need to shift and go, is this a vision that I'm ready to work toward? If not, let's craft a different vision for where I want to be. Right. But it's important to really ask yourself those questions and ask yourself if the things that you're doing currently, your behaviors that you're doing currently match with what you want for yourself over the next six months, year, five years, 10 years, whatever time period you choose for yourself there. Uh, And if not, then we're going to learn some ways to help um, build in some behaviors that will get you a little bit closer to that ultimate vision that you have for yourself. And we're talking about behavior change today. And one of the reasons I chose this particular topic is we are in the season of uh, resolutions, right? Or um, January kind of always seems like the point in time where people start to reevaluate their health goals or goals that are not even related to to health and kind of choose to make um, some type of resolution. I don't love the word resolution, right? I prefer to think of it as um, a goal. Uh, And you don't have to wait till January to do it because we're sitting at the end of the month. And so if you didn't make a goal at the beginning of the year, it is not too late. Or if you made one at the beginning of the year and we've already kind of slid a little little far from it, that's okay. We don't absolutely don't need to wait until next January to create a new goal for ourselves. Uh, We're all a work in progress. And so continually looking at, again, that uh, vision for ourselves and what we want for our health is important as we move forward. 
a lot of the patients that I work with will tell me they want to come off of medications. And that's kind of the vision that they have for themselves is um, that a, a person that is not requiring a blood pressure medicine or a blood sugar medicine, those types of things. And that's you know definitely a goal that we can work toward. I always want to also build in realistic expectations. That's going to depend on how long we've had high blood pressure, diabetes, how many medicines we're on, those types of things. And we may can shift that goal to great control of our blood pressure while we're on medicines or less medicine or then eventually no medicine if that's what's important to them. But again, we're going to then evaluate our behaviors and see, are are we doing the things that we need to get to that ultimate goal? If not, how can we build in some intentional steps to get there? So when we think about behavior change, there are actually stages of behavior change. And they range from the first stage we call pre-contemplation all the way to something we call maintenance. So let's break those down a little bit. There are five stages. The first one is pre-contemplation. And that just means you're not really thinking about making a change in any of those areas, right? So if you come to see me and um, I, because I ask everybody uh, questions about nutrition and physical activity and stress and sleep and substances and all those things, um, you may not be thinking about making any kind of change in terms of your food, right? Or your nutrition. And that's okay, right? Um, You may be instead thinking about making a change in your physical activity, Awesome, right? That would put us more in the contemplation stage. So that's the second stage, right? So we got pre contemplation. I'm not really thinking about making a change in that area. We've got contemplation. And so in these two areas, we want to match our behaviors to that stage of change, right? If we're in pre contemplation, it may be me or your healthcare provider providing you a little bit of information about how that change is relevant, right? So maybe if we have that same person who says, I want to um, come off of some of my blood pressure medications, but they're in kind of pre-contemplation in terms of making food changes, my response would be, can I talk with you a little bit about how some of the foods that we eat can make our blood pressure higher, right? And if you say yes, then I'm going to give you the best evidence we have out there in terms of nutritional changes to support Um, blood pressure. If you say, no, I am not changing my food and I don't want to know anything about it, I'm going to say, okie dokie, right? And we're going to move on to what you are ready or what you're you're feeling ready to, to work on. Contemplation is like... Yeah, I think I might be interested in making some changes to my to my food or what I eat, but I'm not sure what that should be. That's fantastic, right? That's where a good health coach or healthcare provider is going to step in and be able to guide you along the way to doing that, right? I'm usually going to respond with, "Well, what do you think you might want to do?" right? And that usually leads us into the next stage of change, which is planning. Right. And so planning is a very, very important stage uh, when we're trying to make behavior change. But it's also the stickiest because you can get stuck right here in the planning stage. I see it all the time where we try to plan to perfection. Right. We try and plan the most perfect diet or the most perfect um, physical activity plan. 
and try to hit all the, the kind of guidelines, right? We've talked about guidelines for exercise on the show before, that 150 minutes a week of cardio, the two to three days of resistance training. And so people will plan themselves just really perfect around that and trying to hit those goals straight out of the gate. And it's going to be really hard to plan that perfectly because life happens, right? Um, And you can get stuck in trying to make the best plan when we just want to get the best plan for you, the one that you will do and are confident in doing, right? So that's kind of where we move from contemplation to planning. And then we really want to make sure that we launch ourselves from planning to stage four, which is action, right? Where we move from creating that plan into a step of action, right? And um, when I'm working with someone, I actually pay attention to the words that they use. When they say, I need to do something, that is not an action word, right? Um, That is not prompting anything to be done. So I need to lose weight. I need to eat better. I need to exercise more. If I, so my job is to listen to those words and coach you to get from I need to to I will, right? Um, I will eat breakfast or I will go for a walk after work every day. That's what we call change talk. And that makes me real excited. I sit up and I get real excited. And I'm like, now we're working with something, right? And that does not mean you can't be helped in those earlier stages. You absolutely can. And sometimes uh, individuals that I'm working with will go from pre-contemplation when they walk in all the way to a fully formed plan by the time we leave. And when I see them back, they're in action. Uh, So it's very very fluid when we're talking about um, stages of change. But so action is currently doing things. And then maintenance is where we are doing those habits routinely for about six months. Right. So if we go back to to brushing our teeth, right, that's most people are in the maintenance stage of change with brushing their teeth. Right. You kind of do it automatically. It's just part of your your routine. Right. Whereas if you decided to start walking three days a week and you've been doing that for a month, you are firmly in the action stage. And I am super proud of you. Um, And as that continues on during the year and once you hit about that six month mark, I'm not going to time you, but That is usually when something has become a habit. Some people add relapse as a stage of change. So you'll see some uh, articles uh, talk about relapse as a stage of change. Uh, And I tend not to kind of group that one in there. One, I don't like the word relapse. I think it makes it sound like you did something wrong. Two, I just say what you slid back to, right? So if you were... uh, doing your walking like we had talked about and then maybe you got sick or you hurt your foot or any of those kinds of things and now you've kind of slid back maybe to contemplation where you're considering restarting your exercise but we haven't got a plan yet or maybe you slid back to contemplation but you've already put a new plan in place and you're ready to get back started so I just kind of flex between what you slid back to and don't really call it relapse because I just don't like negative words I don't think that that really helps anyone so again those kind of stages that we went through pre-contemplation contemplation planning action and maintenance are really how we start to classify 
uh, behavior change. And there are different interventions in each one of those, right? Anywhere from just providing education about the importance of something all the way through building a plan, putting that plan in action, and then monitoring um, the, the action as it goes along. When we look at what is the number one reason that people fail to build that habit, right? There are a couple of options. And Kevin, I'm going to test you um, on what you think the answer is. So the number one reason people fail to build a habit, they start too small, they start too big, they have a lack of willpower or a lack of knowledge. Which one do you think it is? Um, I will say... A lack of willpower? Oh, and that's what most people say, right? We tend to think, I'm just not strong enough, or I don't have enough discipline, or any of those different kinds of things, and that is not it. So, A for effort, but the answer is B, too big, right? So, we start too big, and again, that goes with trying to create that perfect plan or create too much change at one time, and I see it every single day. Um, People will be like, well, I'm just going to give up this, Right. I'm going to give up all carbohydrates and I go, oh, I don't think you are. Um, Some people absolutely can do that. But a lot of people find that too restrictive or kind of too too all in for that. Right. Or somebody may say, I'm going to eat three meals a day and two snacks every single day. Are you right? Uh, And what's it going to do to your confidence when if you don't do that? Right. And it often makes people feel like they failed at something and they kind of give up. Right. Or I'm going to walk every single day. I love the gusto that people have when they come up with goals like that. But I do want you to be realistic when you're making those goals, because any movement's better than no movement. And so is making a more modest goal going to be a better option for you overall in the long term. Also, Josie, I would think when you accomplish the modest goal, then you have added confidence to tackle the next part of your goal. You absolutely do. There's a fancy, sciencey word around that called self-efficacy, which is the belief that you're able to do something, right? So if you have very low self-efficacy or low confidence in being able to do something, that is unlikely to lead to sustainable behavior change, right? You may do it for a couple of days, uh, but you're you're not going to do that, right? Um, if you have increased self-efficacy or increased confidence, then you're much more likely to be able to do that. And one thing I, I work with folks on on that is I'll say, tell me something you've accomplished that you're proud of, right? Um, I had a lady the other day who quit smoking, right? Like before she ever saw me. That's a big deal, right? Like, that's hard to do. And she was here to see me to work on some nutrition. Um, she wanted to lose a little bit of weight. And I said, well, we're going to harness whatever it was that made you be able to quit smoking and apply those same principles to wanting to work on your nutrition and your physical activity because you've already done a hard thing and proven that you can do it. What do you think was the key to being able to do that, right? And whenever she identified that, it was uh, getting it out of the house, right? Like she just didn't have cigarettes in her house was her number one thing. So we applied that to some of her foods that she tended to overindulge in, right? We just, we weren't going to bring them in the house, right? Now, if she was out somewhere, enjoy that. But we weren't going to bring them in the house because that was going to lead to overconsumption of those particular things. So it really is about 
building small wins in your in your day that then go, you know what, I can do this, right? You know, when you're struggling, sometimes just getting out of the bed is a win, right? Um, you know, if we're working with, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, those types of things, just getting up, washing your face, brushing your teeth, putting on some clothes can be a big deal. And that may be the only goal we work on is we're just going to get out of the bed today. And we're going to focus on being able to get out of the bed. And when we build those small changes, those really snowball into bigger changes there. So I usually ask folks two questions. I'll say, how important is it to you to do this? Zero to ten. And how confident are you that you can do that? Zero to ten. Right. The first one gets me at, you know, is this truly important to you? Or maybe there's a little bit of a a knowledge gap and why it might be important for your particular uh, vision or goal that you're wanting to achieve. Uh, And then what is our self-efficacy around it? So a lot of times people come in, want to work on blood pressure. And when they fill out their form uh, on sleep and they'll say it's not that important to them. And I'm like, oh. I'm going to have fun with this one because we're going to talk about it, right? And again, I always ask for permission. And you're like, can I talk with you a little bit about how your sleep can impact your blood pressure? And I don't think I've ever had anybody tell me no. Uh, and I kind of just lay out the facts in, you know, short sleep duration or untreated sleep apnea or these kinds of things and how that can drive your blood pressure up a little bit. And almost always people change from that thinking it's not important to going, oh, I do need to look at my sleep a little bit more closely. Now, they may not be ready to make a change there yet, but that's okay, right? Now we've moved from pre-contemplation to contemplation, and we don't have to save the world in a day. So I'll say, okay, I just want you to think about it. I'll give you some things maybe to read, or if you're more of a visual learner, I've got some YouTube links to some videos that you could take a look at on sleep hygiene and those kinds of things, and we'll circle back around to it and talk about it at your next visit. Uh, and that makes me feel like I'm not bullying you, right? Because I don't, I don't want to bully you into change because that's not going to be sustainable, right? But I do want to give you the tools that you need to be able to make an informed decision about your care. And then that confidence, when I have somebody who marks 10 out of 10, it's important to them, but very low on the confidence scale, that is okay. That's a time for us to go, what is keeping us from being able to focus on that area that you clearly feel like is very important to improving your health. And it may be something that we can fix right now. It may be something that we can't fix right now. And that's okay, right? We can work on putting steps in place to address it in the future. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And we've been talking all about health behavior change today and how our daily actions and behaviors lead to our health outcomes. And we want to make sure that whatever goals we have for ourselves, we are matching our behaviors to those goals to get there. So I talked a little bit before the break about the different stages of change and kind of creating um, a set of goals for you to help you kind of match whatever stage of change that you're in there. And there is uh, a phrase we use to talk about goals, and they are called SMART goals. And that in no way means that other goals are dumb, right? SMART stands for something. The S stands for specific, and that is What specifically do you want to do, right? Um, Whether it's uh, 
changing the way we're going to eat, we're going to get really specific with it. Okay, so specific, measurable is the is the M, right? So how do we measure this this behavior? Um, A stands for achievable. Uh, so is this something that I can can do? R is relevant, or some people call it realistic. Um, if we think of it in terms of relevancy, is this behavior relevant to our, our ultimate vision for ourselves? right? Uh, and then uh, T is some kind of time-bound, time orientation. You know, how, how long am I going to be doing this for? And I'm going to use some very common uh, actually, the most common health goals for 2024 or goals for 2024 um, to highlight the difference between something that is a smart goal and then something that is not. So um, the top five health goals for 2024, improved fitness, improved finances, better mental health, weight loss and a healthier diet. Okay, so those are, are based on this survey that was conducted uh, are, or the identified top five uh, health goals. What's interesting is when you also look at the percentage of people that stick to these goals, about 22 percent of folks are still still hanging with those goals three months in. So around Marchish, but only six percent at a year. Right. And I would again link that back to the number one reason we don't achieve our goals and that's because we go too big right so let's pick one um weight loss right weight loss what is what does that mean right what what a half a pound a pound a hundred pounds 50 pounds it's not it's missing the very first and second letters of SMART, right? Specific and measurable. So weight loss can be specific, right? It's better than just saying healthier. I want to be healthier for this new year, right? Um, but it is lacking that measurement. How are you going to know if you got to that goal, right? You could say any weight loss is a, a benefit, right? And that would be fine, but it does lack that measurable um aspect of it. And for me, when I'm working with folks, I want that measurability of things to be there because it directly relates to achievable and relevant or realistic, right? If you tell me I want to lose 100 pounds in three months, I'm going to say, let's think about it, right? Do we feel like that is achievable or realistic for you. Not that it's not a good goal or the, or the weight loss is not a good goal, but is it going to be achievable for you? Because just like we talked um, earlier, Kevin, that's going to really impact our confidence or that self-efficacy when we don't achieve that, because we're probably not going to achieve that. Um, so we harness the goal of wanting to lose weight, but we we break it down into bites, right, of things that are achievable and realistic. So if we think about weight loss, right, good, sustainable, healthy weight loss is about a pound to two pounds a week, right, for most folks without um, being so restrictive from a nutrition standpoint that it becomes not sustainable. So if uh, we wanted to do that same three-month goal, right, that's about 12 weeks. So we could say 12 to 24 pounds of weight loss in that three months, right? And I tend to put it on the little bit more um, modest scale. So I would probably do that 12-pound goal there. That way, if we exceed it in that three months, we've just bumped our confidence up even a little bit more, 
right? So instead, that goal would be over the next three months, I will lose 12 pounds of weight, right? So now we've got specific, we've got measurable, it's achievable and realistic and, and time, time bound there. So in three months, we can absolutely say, did we meet this goal or did we not meet this goal? Now, there's always something to be learned. So if we did not meet this goal, that's okay. We want, it doesn't mean the goal was wrong. It doesn't mean you were wrong. It means there was an unforeseen barrier that has crept up that kept us from doing that, right? And so we just have a real frank look at our behaviors and go, all right, well, that's why I wasn't able to do that. Let's build a plan that includes that barrier now, right? Um, the same could be said for healthier eating, right? What is, what is that, right? And that's probably one of the most hotly contested topics out there is what does healthier eating mean? But just saying I want to eat healthier, it really gives you no direction on where to go, right? Does that mean you're only going to eat organic or you're going to be vegan or you're going to only drink water? We have to give it some measurability to that, right? And so I would be kind to yourself, And again, build something that you feel like you're able to do moving forward. So maybe that's looking at what you're currently eating and going, you know what? I get zero fruits a day, right? And so that goal may be, I'm going to eat one piece of fruit every day for the next month, right? Or a week or two weeks, whatever feels doable for you, right? And you may go, that's too small, Josie. It's just too small. It's not. It absolutely is not, because once you accomplish that, you go, you know what, that was not as hard as I thought it was going to be. I bet I could do two fruits a day, or I bet I could add a vegetable in now. And then you build that sustainable change instead of just trying to go all in and change everything all at once. First of all, that is incredibly expensive to do if you're going to overhaul your entire pantry and, you know, replace it with the the cleanest, healthiest ingredients that you can get and eat, you know, five to seven fruits and vegetables a day and only have whole grains and only choose lean proteins that can get expensive. And that's why people often kind of give up. They'll go, God, this was I couldn't I can't afford to do this. Right. Well, we're going to nibble away at it. Right. We're going to do something. A sack of apples, three ninety nine. Um, get you a sack of apples, have an apple every day. Right. That can build in that habit. So that's the importance of having a SMART goal. But a SMART goal alone does not lead to sustainable behavior change. We have to have a map or a set of action steps that are going to get us there. And I was listening to a podcast about this very topic, and they explained it so well. They said, think about it like a car and and you're going somewhere, right? Maybe you have moved to a new city and you have to go to your new job. Your vision is your destination, right? Like I got to get from my house to my new place of employment, right? The GPS is your your goals and your action steps, right? You put put the address in, it's going to take you there. And depending on how complicated it is to get where you're going, you may have to use your GPS a couple couple days in a row or maybe even a week to take you from your house to work, right? 
But after you've been doing that a little while, you don't need the GPS anymore, right? It just becomes an automatic habit for you. But until it becomes a habit, you've got to have those clear steps that says turn right here, turn left here, go through this red light, all of those different kinds of things. And that's what an action plan is going to do. So if we set that goal that we're going to have one fruit per day, every day for the next week, then we got to go, okay do I have any fruit at my house right now? I don't have any. So we're going to have to get some, right? So it's going to be go to the grocery store, right? With a plan of what you're going to get, not all the fruits when you walk in there, because again, now it gets really super expensive, right? What can I afford in my budget that's here, right? Maybe that is an apple, maybe that's bananas, maybe it's those little cutie oranges, maybe grapes are on sale, whatever that is, right? But you buy the fruit, you take the fruit home. And now that it's home, you have to think about how it's actually going to get from your refrigerator or your counter and into your body, right? Because there is a whole lot of sad fruit that dies a very slow death on the countertop or in the fridge. So if it's something that you need to put in the fridge, put it at eye level, right? A lot of people put their uh, fruits and veggies in those little drawers, Right. And they die in those little drawers because you don't look there. You look where where your eyes go right to the middle. That's often where um, the milk and cheese and that kind of stuff is or soft drinks are often there. Put your fruit there. If it's on the counter, put it in a bowl right like right next to your sink or on your table. If you use if you use your kitchen table, wherever you're going to see it and it's going to be easy for you to grab and prep it ahead of time. If it's something that needs to be uh, cut up or something that needs to be washed and it can be washed before you um, and, and stored, go ahead and do those things. Like grapes, go ahead and wash the whole thing in grapes at one time and, and go ahead and store them. Whatever you're going to need to do to ensure your success for that, right? And then at the end of the week, you can go, well, you know, I, I did it four days out of the week. I didn't get all seven. Okay, you're still better then no fruits at all, right? But what kept you on those other three days from being able to do it? Maybe you forgot, maybe you were running late, any of those different kinds of things. And so the next week, you just carry that goal over, accounting for the things that kept you from being as successful the first time. And we talked about SMART goals before the break and how you use those to craft a goal that actually is going to lead to action, right? And then creating that action plan. Equally as important as an action plan is a backup plan, right? Because life throws you potholes, right, all the time. And it can be very easy to let that pothole completely derail your goal. And sometimes it will, right? And we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace there, right? But we can plan for some of those potholes. Uh, You know, maybe we plan... Uh, our menu for the week, right? And we go to the grocery store to get it and they're out of a particular item, right? Well, we could have backup planned for that, right? Maybe we were going to have black eyed peas and cabbage and mashed potatoes and they don't have any cabbage, right? 
what could we put right there as a backup that would fill the same nutrient gap that we're trying or the same nutrient that we're trying to get more of, which in this case would be green leafy vegetables that are non-starchy. So we could use turnips or kale or spinach or any of those greens that would fit in there, whatever's on sale right there. That's the way I I do it. I look for the sale um, item there. If we're doing an exercise plan and we say we're going to walk for uh, 10 minutes after work every day and then we get an patch of ice and six inches of snow, which is not something that we <laughs> we normally get down here, um, but the weather is not conducive to whatever our plan was, right? Our backup plan was is how we were going to continue that physical activity, maybe indoors, right? So maybe that is walking uh, at your place of business inside before you leave for the day, you know, make do some laps there. Or once you get home, walking in your home or doing um, a walking video that kind of walks in place or some chair exercises, it doesn't matter um, what it is that you pick up there, just doing something. Because if you don't do any activity in the kind of placeholder time that you set aside for that, that decreases the likelihood you're going to pick it back up the next day because you threw you threw yourself out of that that habit that you were building or do your backup plan accounting for that. Right. So I'm going to do uh, I'm going to walk five days a week. Right. I'll use Saturday and Sunday as my backup days. Right. That way, if you didn't feel well one day during the week or, you know, a, a, a snowstorm came and you weren't able to do your preferred thing, you could pick up on Saturday and Sunday to do those things. Right. So there's always an opportunity to reflect on uh whether you achieved that particular goal or not, and use the negative things that happened to factor into your backup plan next time to just increase your likelihood of success there. My other tip for sustainable behavior change is do not compare yourself to anyone else, right? You are uniquely you. And my sincere desire for each one of you is that you're able to live the life you want to live, right? And that doesn't mean trying to live your neighbor's life or trying to be the size of your coworker or any of those things. It means getting to that vision you want for yourself. And so we only compare ourselves to ourself, right? Was I walking before? No. Am I walking now? Absolutely. That's a win. Right. Did I uh, not did I lose as much weight as my friend that's on this same health journey as me? But did I meet the goal I set for myself? Right. Or did I lose any weight at all? Right. Only compare yourself to yourself. Right. Am I stronger? Sometimes that's all we see initially with exercise. We may not see a whole lot of weight loss or any of these kinds of things. But is it easier to do the exercise now than when you started? Can you walk farther or can you uh, get to that same destination a little bit quicker? Those kinds of things. Those are non-scale related victories, right? But you have improved upon yourself and you're pushing yourself closer to where you want to be. So don't ever go, you know, I'm not doing it as well as this person is. That's okay. You're doing it better than you were doing it before. And that counts and that matters. I know that keeps a lot of people from going to the gym. Sometimes you'll go, well, that person over there is walking faster than me on this treadmill, or they are lifting more than me on this machine, or any of those things. 
one, they're not looking at you. I know it feels like every eyeball is on you when you're in there, but they're not looking at you. Uh, but don't judge yourself by how much they can lift or how fast that they can go, right? Think about where you started and where you are now. I have folks that started with two minutes, two, one, two of walking, right? And now they're at 10. And when you think about the magnitude of the improvement there, that's huge. And we can translate that into improved blood pressure and better cholesterol and better blood sugar and all of those things there. And those are what matter. And those are what push us closer to that ultimate vision that we have for ourselves. All right, guys, I have enjoyed talking with you today, and I hope you learned some pearls there about behavior change. If you have any questions about anything we talked about today, please send me an email. My address is fit at mpbonline.org. If you didn't catch today's show or you want to go back and listen again, you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your favorite podcasting app. And I'll talk with you again next week here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.